The opinions expressed on the Custody Queen Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal professional legal advice. Hi, I'm Kristen Holstrom. And I'm Sam McBride, and we are the Custody Queens. We have a new show that we couldn't be more excited about. If you're going through a custody battle, fighting for your parental rights, or going through a horrible divorce, nothing is off limits on our new show. Thought it was love, had kids in between, you can Saturday is the best day of the week for many reasons, but really it's because we get to spend it with all of you on Go Country. Today we have a great episode called Read My Lips. We are going to help you guys with some suggested responses. We're going to talk about body language, tone, and everything in between. We're very excited about today's show, but before we jump into it, Kristen and I are going to do our week in review. I haven't thought about my week at all, so I'm going to make Kristen answer this first. Okay, well, we, I only have my high <laughs> right off the, the tip of my tongue, so I'll, I'll start with my okay, high. Okay, what's your high? Then you got to give me time to think about my low. Um, I actually have two mini highs, so I'm going to combine them real quick. One was that I actually got my carpet clean in my house, and I've been wanting to do it for like a year, but it's such a process to, you know, make sure everything is on the floor, that gets on the beds, and I had to do it before, uh, you know, court and, and work and everything. And so the fact that I actually made an appointment to do it and got it done, to me, that is a high, man, and man, it made a difference. My carpet uh, was beautiful. And I actually got to have, uh, a, she was a, a, an old client and now a friend, but it was she had a company that she started and she got to do it for me. So it was a win-win. I love helping, uh, you know, friends, clients that have become friends. I love helping them out in their, you know, future endeavors. And the other was a, was a great high is SEAL Team was on. <laughs> and it's always a great week when SEAL Team is on. But because of the pandemic, I have to wait three weeks sometime. Oh, Kristen and the SEAL Team. So, yeah, it was a great week. Got to see my uh, boy David Boreans and Max Throw, and, you know, <laughs> just hang out with them in my living room. Shout out. Shout out. So what was your high, Sam? Um, okay, I think... I think my high was this week I I actually was able to run every day after work, which is something that I don't always get to do, but I'm a runner by nature, so I think it was just kind of healthy and good for me, some alone time for myself. I love that one, and I exercise is so good for us and self-care and again the topic of the year for us I wish I could I need to find that 20 minutes to squeeze in, but I'm, I'm happy that you got to do it. That's awesome. And you know what? I don't really have any lows that are kind of worthy of talking about this week, so I think I'm just going to pass. Same, Kristen. You know, sometimes we just don't have a low, and I'm going to take that as a double win. Yeah, I mean, I had two, two, two highs, so all right, let's move on. It is now time for Divorce Wars. All right, so for anyone that hasn't heard this segment before, turn your volume up. This is where Kristen and I listen to fictional tales of horror stories for a divorce, and we analyze the fact pattern and let you guys know how this relates to family law. This is Divorce I always thought we were happy in our marriage. I never questioned anything. I guess you could say I was blind to what was really going on. I know my husband took plenty of business trips, but never in my wildest dreams did I think he would leave me for another man. It wasn't until he came home from one of his business trips that when I washed his clothes in his suitcase, I found men's underwear that were two sizes too small. At first I thought maybe it was a joke, 
but it wasn't until I started paying attention to all these calls and text messages he was getting, I knew something was going on. When I would ask him who he was talking to at night, he would say it was John. His next business trip, he forgot to pack his iPad. I was then able to see all the text messages that he was receiving, and it turns out John was sending nude pictures to my husband. I decided to leave, but I wanted to make sure my husband had a ride home from the airport when he returned. So I parked the car at the airport and sent him a text with a screenshot of John's messages along with the parking spot. He must have been so embarrassed because he did not return back home for almost a year and racked up $15,000 in parking fees. I was waiting for maybe a bomb to go off in the car <laughs> at, the, at the airport. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I guess the first thing I just want to point out is, it, it one, the fact that he had an affair, um, for the most part, we've talked about this many times over the course of our show, doesn't have a whole lot to do with respect to the family law case and the court making orders specifically regarding right. custody visitation. And to add to that, it doesn't really man or really matter if it was a man, a woman, um, a transgender. It, love it, is love. Love is love. Let love rule, you know? Um, Maybe not the best way to end a relationship, but from a family law perspective, it doesn't have a lot of relevance. And I'm not hearing anything that would rise to the level of any domestic violence or anything like that. So it's really just the end of a marriage. Yeah, and that's exactly what I see, Sam. And if that person, um, you know, discovered something about himself, then, you know, then he needs to be able to live his life too. And it just sounds like the end of the marriage and both need to be, both people need to be able to move forward. And then we can deal with the custody case if they have kids and, you know, transition to two households for the kids. And then you're going to look at factors of, of best interest, like how far apart did the parents live? Uh, do both parents have the ability to protect the children, make sound decisions, get the children to school? What does school look like? And we start going through that best interest analysis. But I didn't hear anything there um, that, that, you know, the father was a bad father, uh, didn't have the ability to be a good parent. It just sounds like, you know, a, a personal decision that that he made which resulted in the end of the marriage which happens 50 percent of the time i will also say towards the end of the fact pattern it described the situation where the wife was um, confronting via text message the affair it sounds to me like that is the actual break or the date of separation and that's, that's a good point, Sam. you know that's evidenced by the fact that he never returned home after that so if he's racking up all of these parking bills uh, wife's position would be, hey, we have separated, there was an intent to separate, and that was evidenced by both of their kind of behaviors. Thus, anything that husband was incurring after the date of separation would be his separate debt. Yeah, and what would really help make the bright line with that date of separation is if wife called the custody queens and we were able to file a petition for dissolution of marriage which would further evidence the intent to dissolve the marriage and file that petition to uh you know to dissolve your marriage that combined with the text message and the picture and the intent of one party not to resume the marital relationship uh, that, that looks like especially if they're not living together that looks like a clear date of separation and that debt would go specifically and solely to husband based on that fact yeah and what the point really is is when you have a divorce or you have a marriage that and you are going through the process of divorce 
you have the start of your community estate when you're married, and then you have the end of your community estate when you separate. And sometimes we see arguments over what that date is, and that's not without reason. Sometimes people are confusing each other, but more often one party benefits from having an earlier date of separation as opposed to a latter date of separation. So it is important to, to consider that, and if you are thinking about separating, you want to make sure that you call us so that we can discuss it further because there may be some things that you need to do and overt steps that you want to take to definitively end your marital estate, which may be good for your case, but it depends. Yeah, and, and to add on to Sam, there's also some some dates that are important, uh, date of marriage, date of separation, how long was that marriage, uh, and that advice is going to depend on who we're representing. So if I'm representing um, the person who makes the money, then clearly I'm. if there's a, a date that might be around a 10-year mark, then my advice is gonna be totally different than if I represented the other party. And it's not an ethical issue, it's just we are attorneys, we as attorneys are hired to advocate zealously for our clients, and we try to present the facts that are most favorable to our clients. That's why it's so important to plan and to contact an attorney, a qualified attorney, right at the beginning. Don't wait until the night before. The worst calls that Sam and I get are either A, I'm at the courthouse and things went really bad, the judge hates me. Well, what can we do from the parking you being in the parking lot of the courthouse and how do I try to undo a judge's ruling that just happened um, and the other ones are you'll never guess what happened I thought I could do it myself this happened last week and you know here where we're at it is so much less expensive and so much easier for attorneys like Sam and myself to plan and to to file the documents in a way to prevent failure and it kind of goes back to Kristen and I's mantra which is providing education to everyone so if you have the education that you need to understand how your actions can potentially in the future affect your family law case, I don't know why you wouldn't want to know that information. So it's not to say that everyone that is happily married should give us a call, but if you have concerns or you think that this could be a place that you're headed, even if you're not ready to move forward with the divorce at this point, knowledge is truly power. So you want to go out and get that knowledge and understand what you doing now can do to help mitigate potential exposure to yourself when you're going through the family law process for better or for worse. So maybe your marriage didn't go as planned, or maybe you didn't pick the best partner to have a child with. Or could it just be baby mama drama? Well, no matter what the situation is, we can help. We are the Custody Queens, and you can call us at 1-800-419-7772. That's 1-800-419-7772. Okay, Kristen, I think it's time to kind of get into our show for the day. Um, and so we wanted to really just have a show where we talk a little bit about everything, but mainly we want to talk about not just how you are speaking in court or to a co-parent, but also the other cues that we all do and we all know how to do, but maybe we're not as cognizant of. So we want to talk about body language, court attire, what to wear, what not to wear, and all that good stuff. Yeah, appearance. Presentation is everything. And the title of our show is called Read My Lips, which is kind of funny because I think that as spouses, we always expect the other party to be able to read our minds, read our lips. Um, but the purpose of this show is to say, you might be telling a story with the smirk on your face. So if you are getting admonished by a judge, um, you know, a smirk on your face or, you know, sticking out your tongue or rolling your eyes, which we get, get into. I am a, the queen of eye rolling. Um, I've gotten a lot better, I might add, over the years. But 
there's so many little things that just can tell a judge that you don't care or that you don't respect his or her orders or that you're refusing to do this and those things will have an impact on your case yeah and what you want to do is you want to take the points where you can get them if you can do things that help create a more neutral area for a judge to make an order why not do that for example it's probably not a good idea to wear you know a really short skirt and flip-flops into court first of all they probably wouldn't let you into court with flip-flops um second of all we love socks maybe you can maybe um we love short shorts go get them but not in court right it's distracting and it's it's something that you want to consider when you're going to court it's like going to an interview you want to dress your best that doesn't mean that you have to go buy a super nice suit or anything like that but you want to dress conservatively and you want to really put yourself out there as taking this seriously you're right sam i always tell my clients look at yourself in the mirror and say do i look good for court and if you can answer that, hopefully you're having an honest conversation with yourself. Um, but you need to be the best version of yourself, even if you're on the phone, even if your hearing is being done telephonically, even if your hearing is over Zoom or WebEx or any other video type conferencing, you still need to look the part. If you show up with wet hair, you know, booty shorts, a crop top, you know, uh, I mean, I've seen a lot over the years. I, I'll ask Sam a second here what's her best outfit she's seen because I know I have one that I'll never forget. But if you can't take care of yourself and take pride in the presentation of yourself, how are you going to have, how, are, how can you expect a judge, another attorney, the other party, a, a mediator, or anyone else that is making decisions about you take you seriously? Yeah, and I know some of you are probably thinking, Sam and Kristen, you know, this isn't fair. We don't, you know, we shouldn't have to dress a certain way to have a court make an order about us. And, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that you're not wrong in general. It, it shouldn't have to necessarily be a consideration, but it is something that you really need to consider. It's the reality. You want to show up like you're ready for an interview. And you also, it's not even just about what you're wearing. It's also about how your body language is. If you're in a courthouse, you don't want to be shaking your head vigorously no or yes when the court is talking. The court sees you and is probably irritated and distracted at you doing this. There's court rules that we need to follow and there's things that you can do to mitigate a judge getting mad at you. Do we want judges to make orders in your case based on their irritation with you? No, we don't want to do that. So we want to mitigate that as much as we possibly can. Yeah, you have to remember that judges are human too, and all humans have internal biases, whether we are cognizant of each and every one or we're not. We, we all deal with these, and judges have 10, 20, 30, 40 cases on any given day, and you have to understand that the whole pandemic and the way that everything changed basically overnight, it has put a, a monkey wrench in the whole system and how we do it. So. You don't want to show up and give the judge just a reason to have judgment against you for no reason. Remember, they could have sat in traffic. Their two-year-old could have been throwing a fit all morning. Their electricity could be having issues. Though it could have been windy and a tree fell in their car. We don't know what's happened in anybody's life. So you want to show up. And when I say look nice, I'm with Sam. You don't need to show up in an expensive outfit. I don't care if you are in a nice hoodie and jeans and you have your sneakers on. Just look presentable right absolutely i couldn't agree more and, and then also once you're in court you have to think there's certain things that you could be doing that can come across wrong 
And even if you have no ill intent towards it, for example, you're crossing your arms. Chewing gum. Rolling your eyes. Guilty. <laughs> well, I mean, I have been rightly accused for most of my life as wearing my face on my face. I guess that doesn't make any sense. What I mean is when I look at someone, I feel like I show so much more emotion sometimes than what I verbalize. She does. Kristen can read my face. Kristen's like, Sam is mad, happy, leave her alone. She's hungry. 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 <laughs> Emotional. Because <laughs> usually we are wearing similar faces. Um, but yeah, Sam's right. Yeah. And it leads into something that's not just in the courthouse, right? Consider how this can affect your co-parenting relationship. You know, if you are in a face-to-face -face meeting with with your with the other parent and you're rolling your eyes or looking away or going through your phone, you're signaling that you don't really care what they're saying. Maybe you don't care what they're saying, but is that a productive way to co-parent? No. Think about the example of children at an exchange, right? Mom and dad or mom and mom, as the case may be, dislike each other and you're at an exchange and neither parent can even look each other in the eye. You are giving cues to your child that these parents don't like each other, that there is hostility and anger or an anxious behavior that we want to help prevent when it comes to custody issues because your children like Kristen always says have little ears and they're smart and they know what's going on they read the cues a lot better than probably adults they do uh, they do my my six-year-old and three-year-old put me in check often and uh, my, my daughter even calls me when I roll my eyes and I've gotten so much better I think I was a habitual eye roller in the past my dad used to always say don't roll your eyes at me um, but it was such a habit and as I became an attorney I have heard a lot of things in the courtroom that I'm like either astonished or I couldn't believe that that was said or that the judge made that ruling. And I have really have, I have had to focus on controlling my facial movements because I'm like you, if, you know, I give a WTF face better than anyone and you know, the mask helps hide it, uh, you know, that's probably <laughs> a bonus of the pandemic. But I will say I have had to train myself with my own courtroom presence. It's not just my clients because I expect my clients to do the same, I expect myself to do the same thing that I'm you know, preaching to my clients. So if I tell my clients to look nice, I look nice. If I tell my clients to show up on time, I am probably one of the most punctual attorneys out there. I want to provide the same services that I expect of my clients. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And I also think that when you're talking about body language cues, you wanna consider tone, you know, we as attorneys will read transcripts and a, a, a transcript from a court case, there's a court reporter that writes down everything you're saying. We'll read the transcript and so you can't always see the tone of the courtroom and sometimes that's for the best, but outside of you know reading a transcript or reading a declaration, tone is a lot, right? The way that you kind of present any sentence on, you could say, I like you, or you could say, oh, I like you, and you just know the difference in the two. So consider all aspects and, and just be conscious of how you're coming across. Yeah, for example, so if, if an attorney is sending a letter that starts with, pursuant to my most recent communication, okay, clearly that is setting a tone that if I'm the person sending the letter, I am frustrated, probably angry, annoyed, irritated. Right. Okay? That's like a client sending a text, or a party, a husband sending a text message to a wife or vice versa that says, pursuant to the court order. Per okay? my last email. Yeah, per my last text message, per my last email. You are setting the tone. There are so many 
better ways, you know, to say that. Uh, to say exactly what you're saying. You don't have to start off with such an aggressive stance. And so if we break down just that kind of sentence right there, like per the court order, per my last email, I, I think what you're doing when you say something like that is you're already throwing out there, like, you should know this information, so here it is again. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you need to say per my email, per the court order. Like, sometimes that makes sense. But consider how it could come across. There's a better way to say that. So, like, an example of a better way to say that is... I just pulled out the court order. I reviewed it. Here's what it says. I'm sending you a courtesy copy of it. That might still piss the other side off, but you've at least tried to disarm that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it all goes back to co-parenting. If, if you have a communication that doesn't come from such an aggressive stance or an accusatory stance and that's not pushing blame on the other side and you're simply providing information and doing it in such a tone, then hopefully you'll get the respectful response back. And trust me, there is a time and a place when you're going to get a letter from the custody queens that says pursuant to the to the last correspondence. Trust me, when I say that or Sam says that, it's for a reason and I'm making a point and I'm not saying I don't do it because I do. But we're doing it consciously. Exactly. So it, it's really kind of advice to consciously do things be you know present in all aspects of what you're doing not just how you sound consider hey this may I may be making a really good point but don't stop there how is this going to be received mm -hmm. and maybe the point is to say per my email maybe that really is the point I think the message you're probably getting across is you're literally not reading this and maybe that's the message we need to get across in that scenario but it's just to consider the whole kind of package. Yeah, and another thing to consider too is hands crossed, you know? You're, you're sitting in your chair, whether you're in person in court or whether you're at your, you know, on your couch doing your hearing over the video conference, crossing your arms, um, the way that you are holding, just holding yourself sitting can have a tone as well. So just be conscious of those things. I'm not saying don't ever sit in front of an attorney with your arms crossed, I'm not saying that. But be conscious of what your body is telling what your body language is telling people that are looking at you. Do you look angry just simply by the way you're sitting? Do you look like you feel like you just, like the judge just made an order that was so against you? Are you taking that position? You want, you, you want the judge and the mediator and anyone else that is involved in your case as a decision that has some sort of decision-making ability, you want them to rely on the facts. When you show up in court in booty shorts and in a jersey and in flip-flops or a bikini top, or, you know, I, I got to go back to my favorite outfit. It was pouring down rain in San Bernardino. And it, it, I didn't know who this person was at all. And, you know, I was in probably a suit and a parka, a black suit, you know, shocking, I know. Um, nice boots because it was freezing out. And I literally had a parka on. And this, this woman had walked past me and she was wearing jean booty shorts. I am not, they were, had holes all over them too. Um, and she had a crop top on, and then she had gold boots that zipped up and went all the way to her knee. I am not commenting on the outfit. What I am commenting on the fact that it was also about 40 degrees out in San Bernardino, and I think there was hail coming out at the time. But second, everybody in the courtroom was looking because it was, it, 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 it was not an outfit that should have been worn in a place of family law court. Right. And again, that just kind of brings up, be conscious of what you're doing. There's a time and a place for things. Uh, here's something I want to talk about. So when we're talking about tone and appearance and, you know, how we are coming across, what sort of challenges do we see with COVID and, and courtrooms? And I think 
The biggest one that I've noticed is, depending on the county, there are some counties that are operating still fully telephonically, meaning there is no visual uh, at all. And so what do we have to do as attorneys and and what do we have to do to educate our clients or people that don't have an attorneys how to present their case in court? It's a different ballgame. You have to be a lot more conscious of how your voice is coming across, the pace, the tone, or it can be misinterpreted easily. Yeah, and there's also a delay. Uh, where are you at on the phone? Um, are you are you driving in your car? Can you hear Amazon ringing? You know, are you getting notifications that you have Amazon being dropped off? That is a distraction to the court. The ju- you're already on the phone. It's hard enough handling a contested hearing on the phone, taking testimony, having third parties. So imagine a conference line where multiple people are calling in and this judge has to listen intently. There's often a delay depending on your cell phone provider or the, each specific courtroom, if there's an interpreter of, involved. There are so many challenges that we've had to adjust the way that we lawyer with. And then you also, this is something I dealt with kind of as an employer as well. When kind of COVID hit, we would have these meetings and I was seeing people show up in meetings in robes, um, pajamas, you know, literally look like they just rolled out of the shower. And a lot of these meetings I was having were with professionals. Uh, judges, fellow attorneys, you know, high-level executives, and it didn't matter no matter how tired I was. I was, you know, a brand new mom at the time, but I always made sure I put a little bit of lip gloss, mascara, foundation, and at least did something with my hair because I don't think it's appropriate to do a Zoom call in a row with fellow professionals. If, if, but nothing else, even if you disagree with it, it's distracting. And what happens when we're distracted? We're not focusing on the issue or the issues at hand and that can be so detrimental and so unfair to your case you want it to be presented in the best possible way that you can present it you want the information across to give you the result that you want and part of that is a comprehensive case strategy that includes like the way that you make eye contact your gesturing your tone how far away you are from the person sitting next to you everything really matters it just does and so it's something to consider Yeah, and if this is something you're considering and you have questions, we would love to help you. You can call us at 1-800-419-7772. 1-800-419-7772. I even have clients send me pictures of outfits that that they're questioning and they will ask for my feedback or my advice. And I am happy to help with all aspects of your case. Whether it's, hey, you know, does this come across too aggressive? Do you think that I should sit like this? Do you think that it's okay if I am in this room because there's an echo here? All of those questions are things that Sam and I will answer because you know what, that is part of the times today. It just is. Right. I will say too, if we take a step out of court again for a second and we talk about child custody and just the way and and the tone in getting things across, the way that you talk to the other parent, you can really kind of a tip for you guys is you can really change the narrative by just changing the sentence, even if you mean the same thing. So for example, if you want to say, hey, you want to tell the other parent, you're not doing homework with Bobby and it's clear and so do better. Now that's not going to be received well. That's probably going to start a fight. That person's going to call their attorney. Everyone's going to argue and yell and poor Bobby is like failing school. So a better way to probably handle that situation would be to say something like, I'm noticing that, you know, assignments aren't turned in. Is there something that I can do to help the situation? Can, you know, we hire a tutor? Can't, you know, there's a, a spot at my house that 
we can make available for our, you know, our son or our daughter during this time if you're unavailable to do it. And so you're proposing a solution that is probably going to help keep you out of court and simultaneously help your child, which is what it's all about. Yeah, be part of the pro be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Thanks everyone for joining us on this beautiful Saturday morning. That was so nice of you all to join us and we had fun and I hope you can read our lips. So remember, we are here every Saturday at 8.30 a.m. on Go Country 105. And follow our social media feeds for giveaways and funny content. And please make sure you continue to DM us with all of your questions and topics that you'd like us to talk about. I couldn't agree more, Kristen. All right. As always, and remember, let, let love rule. Thought it was love, had kids in between. You can count on us, we're the custody queens. Yeah, you can count on us, we're the custody queens. The opinions expressed on the Custody Queen Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal, professional legal advice. The persons discussed are fictional and not based on actual clients.